Welcome to Tech Whisperers, the podcast that takes you inside the playbook of the world's best digital leaders. This is a show for digital and business leaders who are passionate about learning from the industry shapers and market makers. Join your host, Dan Roberts, as he unpacks the unique stories, leadership philosophies, and answer the call moments that define and differentiate the best leaders of our day. Our goal is to help you gain an edge and move you beyond your comfort zone so that you are driving more impact and value for your team, your company, and your career. Let's get into the show and hear from another amazing tech whisperer. Well, indeed, we do have another amazing tech whisperer guest today. Many answer the call moments. She is funny. She is visionary. She is uber talented. And of course, we're talking about Sabina Ewing, my good friend. And you're going to have a real gift today with our conversation. Uh, She is the global CIO and vice president of business and technology services, BTS, for Chicago-based Abbott. And we all know the company. We're going to get a little bit more into it. Abbott, incredibly, is now a Fortune 86 company. Uh, $45 billion in revenue the past 12 months alone, and the past two years have been incredible, just incredible in terms of the growth. One of the things I, I really appreciate about Sabina, and we're probably going to call the, this episode the intentional CIO, Sabina, you and the intentional CIO, because you're going to find uh, it's one of her real gifts, one of her real traits. And I'll also share that there's a graceful elegance about Sabina, and she balances these incredible demands, almost unmanageable demands of this role today, just gracefully in that whole idea of grit and grace. So now that I've built you up incredibly big here, Savina, welcome and glad you're here. Thank you, Dan. Now I have to live up to that reputation and that introduction, but thank you so very much. Appreciate it. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you know, every time I do one of these with you, we've done a bunch of these, it's been a lot of fun. You always underpromise and overdeliver. And so I'm going to overpromise knowing you're going to overdeliver still. So no no pressure. No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. None whatsoever. <laughs> you know, it struck me Sabina and yeah, I'm going to walk the witness down the path here as I was talking about Abbott having these 2 years of unprecedented growth. How long have you been there Sabina? I've been there almost two years. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll just leave I it can't there. Claim, I can't claim that. Abbott was on a trajectory already. I just happened to be fortunate enough to join the ride as well. Well, we'll talk about all that because it's a pretty impressive story. And, you know, we shared the stage many times, Sabina. It's always a joy. I want to go back. Do you remember the first time we met? Absolutely. I absolutely do. It was a, a CIO event in Manhattan at the Guggenheim Museum. And you were one of the most impressed people that I met, impressive people that I met that particular day. I also met, I think, that standing CIO at the time um, at J&J, Stewart. So I remember it like it was yesterday. Absolutely. I do, too. You know, I had the fortunate pleasure of leading a really high profile panel that evening. You know, it was a pretty, pretty cool event. And I remember meeting you. I mean, and I, I mean that genuinely because. This is something I'm always trying to impress upon our up and coming leaders, how you showed up, how you engaged, how you were interested, just all those things make a difference. And I'll just note that you had this executive presence. You at the time, I think were a director, senior director, you weren't the CIO yet, but you were still in the room carrying yourself. So just kind of talk about that. 
again, being intentional, how you show up. Well, so one is I, I do believe that you have to be intentional about being intentional, right? So it is a function of not only how do you show up, but what is the impression that you want to leave? And so as someone like myself, I happen to be an extrovert, but even as an extrovert, you really have to spend the time thinking about what do you want people to walk away with? How would you have left them with that particular interaction? Moreover, when you're in the room, what is, do you have to have something to say and you have to have a point of view and you have to express it. And so I do think that it is important that not only do you have the requisite executive presence, but you have to have an intentionality about how you show up and how you leave an impression on folks based on that encounter. And that's irrespective of the level that you are within an organization. Yeah, yeah, let's go maybe stay there for a minute. This idea of being intentional, you also have amazing self-awareness. You know, so for our listeners that are aspiring to the next role, you know, maybe it's an individual contributor who wants to become a manager. Maybe it's a director who wants to become a vice president. Maybe it's a CIO who wants to get on a board, right? We've got these, these different aspirations. How do these muscles help you as you've climbed uh, the organizations? Well, I'll use, as you just pointed out, self-awareness as an example, right? First of all, in my humble opinion, you have to be honest with yourself. You really do have to, that part of that intentionality is taking stock of what you do well, taking stock of where your, you know, what your strengths are in the, and everybody has an opportunity to improve. So where do you improve? Right. So that's one is your ability to legitimately evaluate that. But that's not because you sit in your own eco chamber and come up with it. It's because you're intentionally soliciting feedback from folks around you, peers, subordinates, you name it. I believe everyone has a personal brand. And so how do you understand what that brand looks like in terms of when your name is said, the things that are associated with you? And so as a function of that, that is one-on-one -on -one conversations with your teammates, your supporters, and your haters, right? They're haters in, invariably that people encounter. And part of it is recognizing there are gifts in that type of feedback. Listen to what you hear and listen to what you don't hear because we assume things. And then it's also the art of asking questions, being inquisitive, but not annoying, but really thinking about how do you craft questions that get to the type of insights that you want to understand especially when you think about what it means for you and yourself, right? That also impacts when we talk about advancement, when we talk about the ability to get those projects that you want to be on. You know, I'm also a big believer in what I call VIX, visible, important, complex initiatives. Those are very critical to advancement. And to be able to get to the VIX, it is not solely about your competency. It's very much Competency becomes table stakes the more senior you become. As a function of that, it's very much about all the other aspects, and that forms into your leadership, your leadership voice, your leadership style, and all of those other dimensions. That's what I mean around the intentionality piece of it. That's so good. What's, can you give me that acronym one more time? VIC, VIC. VIC, Visible, Important, Complex Initiatives. Right? Those are the things that also are going to stretch you such that it allows you to further build your brand, further hold you, hone your skills, 
literally build the muscles and the muscle memory in order for you to take on more challenging roles. You've mentioned a couple of times, Sabina, the personal brand, and, and we talk about showing up. We talk about asking good questions. Ask a question that no one else is asking. Otherwise, you're going to keep getting the same answers. But I don't know if people think enough about what's being discussed about you in the room when you're not there, the personal brand. So bring us in that room. So take us inside the room of the executive C-suite or the, CI, the global CIO's office. When you're talking about your folks, just the importance of having people who speak for them, who speak highly of them. I guess those people who are on the Vic, Vic initiatives will certainly get noticed, right? Well, your, your, your folks on your Vic, no, your Vic initiatives absolutely get noticed. But here's the other piece. The reason why I talk about how you show up in all settings is because if your manager presents you in a, say, a talent management review session and they have great things to say, by virtue of them presenting you, you're expected, you're expected, you know, like they're, you're expected that they're going to say positive things. It mm. holds more weight. What amplifies, what's the exponent on that is what other people around the table have to say not just your manager. And what the other people around the table say is not just even based on their direct engagement with you. It's about how the people in their organization engage you. It's about the reputation. The equivalency of your personal brand is that reputation and how you get the work done. So the more senior you are, it's not a function of simply getting the work done. It's about how do you get the work done? How do you bring people along? What type of culture do you foster and develop? what type of a people manager you are, all of those attributes that transcend, you know, your manager say, yeah, you know, Henrietta's great and we want to do X, Y, and Z, or Charlie is great. It's a function of what others around the table, that bolsters it way more in terms of that recognition of talent that you want to act on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great insight into that, into that space of being in. Kicking it up a notch, the roles that you all play. You know, the reason I rebranded CIO Whisper to Tech Whisper because you're all taking on these bigger roles, you know, expanding the horizon. There's a lot of answer the call moments in that journey. Uh, a lot of CIOs refer to themselves as accidental CIOs, right? So I guess a two part question. One is, is there a typical career path anymore as you as you look out there? And then how do we set ourselves up to get the call? You know, we, I think we all intuitively get there are those answer the call moments. You get that opportunity to take a stretch project, a VIC initiative, a new opportunity, a new role. But the importance of setting yourself up to get the call. So just unpack that for me. The first thing I will say to, I think, the first part of your, your first question is, is there a typical path? I think the notion of the latter has evaporated. That's number one. And in some instances, and it may still happen for some, but, you know, it's a lattice, right? Because there is a need for, for folks to get even broader. And moreover, with the rebranding and, and sort of the context of the rebranding to Tech Whisperers is the fact that technology is such an important part of the enterprise. I have to tell you a phrase I use is technology is the business in every domain. Does not mean IT or internal IT, but the fact of the matter is in the 21st century, technology is your business. 
you have to be thinking about how and where and what role the technology plays in not only your products, your services, your engagement, right? And so as a function of that, I do strongly believe that you need to have a breadth of capabilities. Technologists need to be business people first. So for those who are aspiring into the CIO role, it's not just about your technical acumen, right? It is very much a function of your ability to understand the business and how are you materially going to drive impact, top line, gross margin, middle of the P&L, which we know well, and ultimately the bottom line, right? So, so I think, you know, I, I think when you mentioned that the rebranding, I think of some of my peers that I really am inspired by because they've, they've transcended the notion because they see the role that technology plays in their respective organizations. You and I know Ted Colbert over at Boeing and his transformation there. You and I know Linda Jojo over at United Airlines and, and how she's moved into that chief customer officer. So the role that technologists have to play in the enterprise is so substantial that I think we need to be thinking about how do we engage differently. Now, the notion of the accidental CIO, here's what I'm going to tell you. 12 years ago, I distinctly remember being asked by my CIO what I wanted to do next. And I've often said, I literally looked at him and said, I, you know, I'm open to doing X, Y, and Z different jobs. The job I don't want is your job. Right. And yet still, and yet still, he hired me as his first chief of staff, which demystified the role for me. So I think part of it also with leaders in looking at talent in the next generation and thinking about how we build our succession is recognizing the capabilities and the stretch opportunity for a person and the demystification sometimes of a role that allows a person to actually you know, evolve and thrive. But I, I, I would say you have to raise your hand and remember that your greatest growth happens when you're stretched. If I were starting my career again, and I'm way past that, I would, I would want to be the chief of staff to the CIO like a Sabina Ewing, like a Ted Colbert. It's interesting because you both were chiefs of staffs on your way up under great leaders. And it's amazing the value of that role done done right. And we haven't really talked about Abbott, but I love, you know, you talk about tech is your business. And tell us about your business. We understand Abbott. We understand it's important, but I don't think we understand the full scope of Abbott. So you can talk about the businesses and how tech is now the business. Well, first of all, I have to tell you that I am excited every day to get up and literally joined the more than 110,000 colleagues that we have across more than 160 countries that are dedicated to helping people live healthier, fuller lives through our life-changing technologies and products. So when you look at our, our business, it is inclusive of medical devices, our diagnostics, which is the big lab equipment, as well as the rapid diagnostics to the tune of what folks in the U.S. see that is Binex now relative to COVID and also what is PanBio XUS. We also have a nutrition business. So think Ensure, PediaSure, PediaLite, and think about also our established pharmaceuticals business outside of the U.S. that plays a role in really providing people with off 
with medicines that are no longer on patent. But ultimately, I will tell you, we touch about 2 billion people in the world. And our goal is really to extend our reach to improve the lives of one in every three people on the planet by 2030. So we have big, bold. I I love the fact that our, our CEO, Robert, thinks big and is really looking at how we can not only democratize, but make accessible those life-changing technologies and products. That is a reason to get up in the morning, Savina. It is, yes. It that, is. that is exciting. And you mentioned Robert. That's uh, Robert Ford, the CEO of the company. And something happened with Robert that I think a lot of people miss, but I think it's really big. And every January in Vegas, Consumer Electronics Show, CES, what is significant about Robert and CES? So this year in, in January, Robert was the first CEO or leader really from healthcare to be the headliner and keynote at, at CES. And I think that is a testament not only to the healthcare revolution that is underway, but to what Robert and how he thinks about the democratization of healthcare. He, we taught, he was very... Uh, specific about the human-powered health, meaning empowering the patient, the end user of our and consumer of our products, such that they can manage their health and wellness better, such that they're in a better position to really drive to certain outcomes for themselves in partnership with their caregivers as well as with their healthcare providers. And so it was, we were all excited, figure coming out of it. I had friends sending me text messages. Can I get our new lingo capability, et cetera? And so it was revolutionary, but it also speaks to the need and the role that technology is playing in healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. That was so powerful. Sabina, congratulations, Robert. Uh, That was really, really, really awesome. There was the book by Marshall Goldsmith, Sabina, which is what got you here won't get you there. And we obviously apply that to our careers and our career journey and our skills and competencies and things like that, which which makes a lot of sense. I think this mantra also applies to companies, right? So how are you engaging? You're in this amazing 130-year, I think-ish company. How do you honor the history, the culture, the, the secret sauce? but also push against those things that might get in the way of future success. So first I'll say once upon a time, I was a runner. So since the track and field world championships were here in the U S this summer in Eugene, Oregon, I'll use a little bit of an analogy in terms of answering that question and how I see it. So first and foremost, Abbott is more than 130 years old. And the role that I see myself playing is that of a relay runner. I've been handed the baton right, after 130 plus years. And in my tenure, when you're a a relay runner, you have to run your leg, as they say. And your ability to run your leg is indicative of the position that you place the next person you hand the baton to in order for to continue that. So I recognize that I am a component of that legacy. And as a function of that, I must respect the history. I must respect the decisions that brought us to this point because it was made with the best of intentions based on the information that people had at the time. So that's number one. 
But the second thing is, as we just talked about with Robert and this and CES and where Abbott is and how we're looking to position ourselves to, in fact, enable that one in three every person on the planet is touched by Abbott. One, you have to look to the future. To last over 130 years, there is a vision, a bold vision that is required, and that's been laid out. And then you have to, it's one thing for you to have the idea. It's another thing to materialize and really execute against that. And so the things that got you here, you respect, you value, you recognize, and you learn from, right? The thing that I often say about large corporations with 10 years of history, tenured history like Abbott, is that you learn from the past in order to, and don't take for granted what you have and do extraordinarily well to harness you going forward, right? And so as a function of that, I believe that North Star made plain for every person, everywhere, every day is a way in which you move the company forward, recognizing and appreciating the legacy of the past. Yeah. My, my producer, Ryan, has been coaching me. He's half my age, right? And this is a, this amazing reverse mentoring going on. But his question to me always is, what's at stake? You know, what's at stake here, Sabina? If incumbent companies like Abbott, I mean, the playing field is littered with amazing companies once upon a time that are no longer in the Fortune 500, no longer exist. Well, number one, what was that? I think in, you know, in good to great, good is the enemy of great, right? The other piece is you can't be complacent. I have to say that we are very much focused in on how do we build out our talent, right? Because it all starts, as you know, I'm a big believer in in terms of the, the people. And how do you have a learning culture? And how do you make sure that, you know, as a function of that, you're leveraging also the latest, the greatest, the best available technologies, right? In order for us to deliver on that world-class capability to really support and drive the business, especially when I think of it from a technology perspective, right? In terms of our portfolio. But the other thing I will say is that you you, you remain true to your values. So it's easy in certain times for people to kind of just swing from one space to the next. But if you have that North Star that I talked about, and that's grounded in your values, right, then you don't have to just bend to the wind. You are charting the course and driving towards your North Star. And I think that's an important part. And we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied, right? Being, I happen to be someone who believes in offense, right? The best defense is a great offense. And so as a function of that, you want to stay on your toes and not on your heels. Like sitting on your laurels, that complacency gets you in the scenario that you say. Being rash, if you will, and not, you know, the one thing that I have loved about Abbott is that it focuses on the detail. It looks at the, the it's thoughtful about decisioning. It's not based from, you know, and it's data-driven right? It's it's data-driven coupled with experience. And so my point when I think about age more mature companies or older companies, never let go of the 
experience that comes through your legacy to inform the chart forward, right? So it's it's all of those dimensions, I would say, that I know, you know, when you're 130 plus years, you've got to stay current. And having a, a CEO that sees technology and not as a cost center, but as a, a, a revolutionary way in which we advance our industry, that makes a massive difference as well. Right, right. You know, as you were talking, Sabina, especially your track analogy, I had the, uh, the gift of sitting in on a, uh, a presentation or a fireside chat with Jackie Joyner-Kersey. Remember her from the Olympics? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Midwest, St. Louis, and she's just this, this quiet humility. She broke so many records. She won medals upon medals, multiple Olympics. And the thing that really stuck out to me in listening to her that evening was, you know, she was always trying to get a little bit better, one half of one-tenth of one second better. And her thing that she left, for me anyways, was stay coachable. Stay coachable. And that's your, that's your idea of not being complete, continue to get better, not being satisfied, right? Absolutely. We're human beings. As a function of being human beings, there's always an opportunity to improve, right? We're not perfect. And so there's always an opportunity to, to, to get better uh, and to do better. So absolutely. And I'm a big fan. I figure she was at Eugene this year. And, and you know what? She was also, um, not only was she coachable, but she was, she was giving and is not selfish in sharing that to enable the continuity of the legacy that she established in her field. Yeah, incredible story, incredible person. Um, just her grit and her grace, just, just impressive. Um, last couple episodes, Sabina, I've had Ralph Laura on, who you know, and he talked about the importance of words and language, right, to up our communications game. Charlie Feld, 55 years in this industry, still very, very active, advising a lot of big companies that I won't mention, but you know, he talks about how CIOs are, are so good, but they still can't sell the art of the possible, right? That's still our Achilles as a profession. So when it comes to communicating a big, bold vision, a big, bold transformation agenda, any Sabina-isms, any, anything you can help us with there to unpack your secret sauce? Because you're quite good at this, too. Oh, so first, I would say you, got, you have to focus. And you have to keep it simple, right? Well, I, 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 I think one is you, I believe in three to five, right, at the most. And usually you want to boil it down to three because people can remember three. So when you're starting it, you want to think about what does that look like? And it's not filled with superfluous techno jargon. Keep it simple and plain and people will appreciate it and it will resonate with folks. So um, moreover, because I talked earlier about the importance of us being business people, business minded first, have to talk about value, right? So as technologists and engineers, we want to give you the kitchen sink of engineer precision to try to explain to you what and why and how and so forth and so on. And the thing I keep saying is nobody cares. You have to talk to them in the language they understand. So if you're talking to your CEO, you know, the leaders of 
your commercial organization, manufacturing, et cetera, you have to talk to them in how is this going to drive top line revenue? How is that going to make me more efficient in my operations versus trying to talk about the technology? Okay. Notice when you asked me about what I do at Abbott, none of my response tied back to technology. And so it is extraordinarily important that in addition to having the simplicity of focus and simplicity of language, that we drive the conversation around value and outcomes that are in the language that is, you know, the course for our your respective business. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, the value thing. I don't think we spent enough time on that, you know, just thinking about that and value and back to your Vic and, and all that. So, Sabina, you have some of the best Sabina-isms. People know how excited I get about these expressions that you all use when you're communicating. And people stop, they write them down. Any of your favorites that you're using these days as you're communicating, leading, visioning, mentoring, coaching? Well, so a few things. When I when I talk about from a sort of coaching and mentoring and, and sharing, quite frankly, with others, I start with you have to pour yourself into your own shoes. So years ago, I had a colleague, Deb Brummer, who used to say, you wear your own shoes. And I do think you absolutely wear your own shoes, but I also realize that it is a journey. And so you have to learn how to pour yourself into your own shoes meaning recognizing and gleaming through that you know you talked about self-awareness but also learning from others picking the things that represent aspects uh, that you want to make sure are important in how you lead and how you show up such that it becomes a part of you whether it's relative to your leadership voice your leadership style the ways in which you engage how are you as an inclusive leader all of those things it's a journey to pour yourself into your own shoes that's number one. Number two, I'm a big believer in value versus volume, right? So we like to talk about all the things that we do, and but I'm I, I am a big believer that in order for us to continue to drive into that technology is the business in every domain, we have to change our mindset where we're talking about impact, where we're talking about value, where we're talking about the things that matter most to the outcomes. And as a public company that that tie back to our shareholders. So value versus volume. And the other piece is I think talent is extraordinarily important to me. So I started a campaign last year of know you to grow you, right? Because in order for and that's what I mean when I say you say it, you keep it simple, right? I tell my organization, I need to know you to grow you. So all of the things that ladder up to that tune, including like a skills inventory assessment and having these capabilities and trainings available to them, that is also a Sabina-ism of, I have, I gotta know you to grow you, an idea. Now, granted, I did not create that one. I kind of stole that one, but that's another Sabina-ism. And I will tell you one that I got from my last life with someone you know, Jeff Kiesling, is pithy and punchy. So pithy and punchy comes back to your point on the storyline. So when I said you, you have to eliminate the superfluous words, folks in my organization start knowing that it's really important to think about, you know, when you're articulating a point, it has to have, it needs to be brief, hence the pithy, but it has to be impacting, it has to be punchy, it has to have tangible meaning. So I'll give you a really simple example that I often cite, which is, 
people write the words create value for the business. Okay, great. To me, that's corporate speaking jargon. But if I, in turn, said that I drove $100 million in savings or $200 million in incremental revenue, I just told you in that statement, I've created value. So that's why part of it is a honing of a skill of being pithy, but also punchy, because that then gets a greater connection for folks to understand what it means. So those are just some Sabina's, and you know I have a ton of those. But I'll well, you know there. what? These are all these are these are all new to me. So uh, these are the ones I was I was thinking you might use. So I appreciate that, and certainly a big shout out to Mr. Keesling. Let's take a minute, Sabina. One of our favorite parts of the show is we bring in somebody from your past, someone from your inner circles, who asked this mystery question and. I know you've been trying to guess who it is. All I feel along, like this. But. I don't know if you remember the show. This is your life. I feel like this is like this is your life moment. <laughs> yes. Yes. So let's listen to this individual, and then you can tell us who this is, your relationship with them, and then you'll have some fun with your questions. So uh, let's just take a listen. Hi, Sabina. As you know, for a number of years, I've frequently commented that the great lost word in the corporate lexicon was loyalty. Specifically, that the loyalty of colleagues to their firm was not always returned in kind. Post-pandemic, there seemingly is very little loyalty now from colleagues to the firms where they work. All that said, you have had a long and successful track record of garnering loyalty from exceptionally talented colleagues. So, Sabina, can you share with us your secret cultural sauce for success in attracting and retaining Talented colleagues in this world of mutually assured loyalty destruction. Thank you. Wow. So, so <laughs> Sabina and I are both laughing right now. And why are we laughing, Sabina, for those who are listening? Because that is Jeff Kiesling. And I have to tell you, Dan, you went to my Yoda, right? You went and you found my Yoda to, to ask the question. And he was my manager for eight years. Was he your, was you, were you the chief of staff to Jeff, that example? That yes, that example I cited. I was Jeff Kiesling's chief of staff. I was the person who said to him I, I didn't want his job. And then eight years later, I became a CIO. So, you know, yes, <laughs> it is funny that it, it's timely, right, that I mentioned Jeff and then he's your the, this is your life secret questioner. So <laughs> I was trying not to show, let my game face, you know, not, not give it up when you mentioned wow. his name and my favorite Jeff story, Brian Watson, who, you know, that I think we met through Brian at the Guggenheim when we were interviewing Jeff for an article, we spent a couple hours in his office down in Pennsylvania and we walked away and we went to write the article and we didn't have anything to work with. And it wasn't because he didn't have anything to share. It's just because he's so darn humble. We had to do a follow-up interview to get the story. And we had to pull some other people in who would give it up on his behalf. So does that, does that sound like Jeff that you know? Absolutely, Jeff. That is absolutely Jeff. I call him my Yoda because not only is he humble, but he is a technology Jedi master, right? The things that I've been talking about by virtue of having been a part of his leadership team for so long, I really saw that in action. So you got me, you got me on this. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a great question. He knows you so well. And the whole idea of, of creating loyalty. Talk about that, Sabina. 
So the first thing I'd say is my people know that I have their back, right? And it's really important as a leader, whether you're a new leader or you grew through the organization, et cetera, but that folks recognize that one, you're, you have their backs, two, you step, you charge the hill on all things with them. And in my case, I'm a strong believer in, you know, you step in front of the arrows and quite frankly, you step aside so that they could get the recognition and praise, right? And and for me, I'm not a, what I'll call a stingy leader, right? It is fantastic to have leaders that you grow and you see them blossom and flourish. And in instances, move into new roles and spaces and the like. And that loyalty is built off of trust but that trust is also earned, right? So the thing that I also do is I give folks what I consider meaningful, actionable, straightforward feedback. I have found in business, folks are usually scared to give critical feedback or to really help someone understand their derailers, really support where they shine. And I think I, you know, part of it is in building that trust is building that equity because it also demonstrates to the person your intention, right? Your intention to support and to help them and to demonstrate that. And oh, by the way, it ties back to your integrity, right? Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And so as a function of, I think, right? As a function of doing that. Um, and maybe people like the fact that I'm, I, I have these crazy analogies and they, enjoy um, listening to those. But one of those is I say, when I said we stormed the hill, I often say, listen, we're going to be like the 300, right? The movie, the 300. Okay. Just know I'm arming up and I'm going to go, you know, all the way because when we set out to do certain things and we're lying around it, I'm going to be relentless about, you know, going after it. Cause I like to play to win. So good. And, you know, I've been in the room with you Sabina, when you've talked about your people strategies and a lot of CEOs have people on their top five pillars, but most of the time it's number five for you, it's number one. And that comes through. The other one is most focus and rightly so on their hypos, right? We, we spend a lot of time on, on those folks. You've got a heart to make everybody a higher PO. And I've always admired that about you. And I think that comes through and, and the loyalty you build. You know, you're also big on people development, and we have this great scholarship program. We're donating $125,000 each year to our TechLX leadership program, which, which I know you leverage quite a bit with your folks. We give you the ability to gift a seat in that program, nine months, to any of the nonprofits that you're engaged in. I know you're involved in a lot, Sabina, but does someone come to mind you'd like to gift this to? So, you know, I thought about this and, and what I would say is I'd love to be able to give this to a fellow technologist who may be in a public sector or not for profit that will benefit from it. So I, 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 I would say the IT Senior Management Forum organization would be the organization I would select. And ITSMF, I think, also tied into the fact that it is dedicated also to advancing and increasing representation within technology with African-Americans. So ITSMF. It gives me great joy to hear that. And I know they'll be ecstatic. They will take full advantage of that. ITSMF, the IT Senior Management Forum, also referred to 
it's my family. And it's, it's, uh, if you don't like to hug, don't go to the meeting <laughs> because you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing group of people. So we will gladly share that with them and they'll put that to good use of being So thank you for that. And we're wrapping it up here, but the good news for our audience is you and I are going to continue and we're going to write another blog that'll go out on CIO.com next week on my, my CIO Whispers blog page. And in that, I want to unpack more of your workforce strategy because yours is uniquely holistic. You know, you're thinking about it on many different dimensions. Yours is much more differentiated. You know, too many people have a workforce strategy that just looks like everyone else is down the street and nothing, nothing unique about it. And also data-driven. So I want to unpack that more in the blog and we'll keep this dialogue going. But thank you so much for sharing your intentionality, your self-awareness, your, your humor, your wit, these things that make you special, your Sabinism. So thank you so much, Sabina. Absolutely. And thank you for the invitation. I finally got to be a part of Tech Whisperers. So thank you, Dan. It's, as always, a pleasure. Well, and just for the public record, I've been asking for a year and a half, Sabina. You're the <laughs> one who said, not yet, not yet, not yet. Let me, yeah. let me get this. No, but in, in fairness, in, you absolutely did. But I had started with Abbott, and as you know, I'm results-oriented. So I said, I have to have a story to tell. I have to have credible wins and headlines before I step foot in this sacred space with my fellow illustrious CIOs. So thank you for being patient with me. <laughs> Absolutely. I knew it's a better time. So thank you. I know our audience just benefited immensely, and we will see you all again really soon. Developing a robust pipeline of future-ready IT leaders who know how to show up and engage differently is paramount to success today. If you would like to learn more about the Tech LX Leadership Development Program that Dan talks about in the podcast, we invite you to visit techwhispers.net. Equip your workforce with a new mindset and skill set needed to maximize impact, increase engagement, and build a world-class talent magnet brand. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolet and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.